Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. We are so glad to have a Soul Talk with you and to invite into this conversation our friend Steve Machia, who's the president of Leadership Transformations, a ministry that focuses on spiritual formation needs, soul care, and discernment process for leaders and teams and churches. And uh, Steve is the author of a new book, The Discerning Life, An Invitation to Notice God in Everything. And uh, love that title, Steve. Love that your book is not about so much techniques or getting what we feel we need from God and when we need need a, need a word as much as it's about the, the relationship of noticing God and walking with the Lord through life and, and through leadership. Steve, we're so happy to welcome you to Soul Talk and get to have a Soul Talk with you and, and share it with our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today all the way from the East Coast. We're talking West East Coast. Thank you very much, Bill and Christy. What a, what a treat to hang out with you two for a little bit today and to hopefully be an encouragement to those who are who are listening in. That's our hope and prayer too. Well, I have just so enjoyed reading your new book, The Discerning Life. You have poured a lot of wisdom, life experience, ministry experience, your own intimacy with Jesus. It just exudes from this book. And it's such a great vision and invitation to life in the kingdom of God and responding to him and receiving more of his life and living out of that. And I was so excited when I opened the book. I I loved your opening here in the introduction. I want to just read it for our readers. You said, far too often, spiritual discernment has been pigeonholed into the exclusive realm of decision-making, learning how to make good choices, and know God's will methodically and predictably. And then you say at the end of that paragraph, or for others, it's a tool to spiritualize every single decision. God, what fabric softener do you want me to buy at the store this week? And I I thought that was so helpful that you just named right there some of the ways we limit discernment. Yeah, that's been my concern that um, it truly has been a topic that's been pigeonholed into the decision-making realm. And it does include that. And eventually I do get chapter eight, which is a process for discernment. But I, I, the first seven chapters are dealing with how do we notice God? How do we pay attention to him uh, in our personal journeys, in our collective relational journeys where we're side by side pointing him out to each other and that's really discerning God and discerning God together. And then we eventually can get to the place where, okay, let's, so we've got a option A, option B, what should we consider? And um, then we've got a process that we can walk through. But I, I really want to put the emphasis on the syllable of relationships. <laughs> you know, this is a relationship with God, noticing God and relating to each other. And you, you two do that so, so well in your writing and your ministry. And I'm uh, just so grateful for the way in which you're living the discerning life. Thank you, Steve. 
it's fun how soul shepherding and leadership transformations overlap in some ways. And we've enjoyed following you over the years. I've enjoyed our conversations that we've had in the past. And something I've really appreciated and respected about you, Steve, is that your ministry really comes out of your own intimacy with God, your own life and and uh just how you walk with the lord and uh would love for our listeners to sort of hear from you and uh share about your experience of hearing god's guidance just in your own life maybe an example uh, of that well thank you um it has been a, a life of twists and turns and ups and downs uh good days and bad days great seasons and horrible ones and so the mixture of life for me has been a continual desire to pay attention, to notice. Uh, one of the things my spiritual director said to me years ago was, you know, the important three, three, little, three little words are very important. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so in times of trouble or turmoil or disappointment or even times of great joy and delight, to be able to practice saying, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that I'm noticing that or paying attention to that? Or isn't it interesting that I have that attitude or that desire to do X, Y, or Z? Um, so it's the noticing, the continual attentive noticing. And I've had some very dramatic experiences of this. I mean, the startup of Leadership Transformations came in a very difficult season for my wife and I, and we were away uh, for a long weekend before our son was facing a large surgery um, as he was entering into his senior year of high school. We just needed a break because this was surgery number 13 for him over a 17-year period. Mm. And it was that weekend that God woke me up with a dream. And he's never spoken to me so clearly or dramatically before or since, but it was the start of leadership transformations. It was a dream for this ministry, and I had to put that dream on the shelf for nearly um, a half a year while we were helping our son get through his surgery mm -hmm. and post-op and all the rest. But I really do believe that God delights to speak to his children and to make himself known, even in strange and mysterious times like I experienced probably well, it's 21 years ago when that happened. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, God makes himself known. God's an initiator. He's a lover. He's a giver. And if we just pay attention, we can notice him in everything. And it's remarkable. And so I've tried to lean in that direction um, in my own journey, sometimes, you know, with, with a real sense of, yeah, that's, that's, that is definitely God. And other times when I've needed friends like Bill and Christy to say, oh, that's a lot, maybe that's a little too Steve. Maybe you should go back to your prayer closet and listen, listen more attentively. So I need spiritual friends. I need the community of faith to help me discern what I'm discerning. Yeah. Gosh, I love what you're saying about being curious and reflective and listening uh, yeah, you know, I too have struggled with this. My personality, I have been under this pressure. Like, I have to have the great ideas. I have to know what to do. And it was a big learning for me when I realized, you know, maybe somebody else has a better idea. And maybe the, the best way to to begin is to wait and 
pray and you know not not push forward but but really tune into what god might be saying and gosh yeah even listening to our dreams we we do that too and so uh really appreciate that perspective well there are sometimes when god is he makes himself known and it's crystal clear i mean we are all seeing it you know yeah there are times when as you say we have to wait um and just put a hold or press the pause button because clarity isn't there and consolation is not there so we're just gonna hold it and then there are times we have to make decisions and we've got options so i think there are times various times in our life and even throughout our day where we've got the clear and certain thing to do or huh, i better wait on that or hold that or let's lean in and hear from god one of the things that I so appreciate about your book is that it's really an invitation into deeper intimacy with Jesus. That's what you're talking about. It's not this way of trying to secure ourselves by making sure that God is telling us exactly what to do at every minute, but we're able to discern you know, right from wrong, the open door, the closed door constantly. And oftentimes early in our faith journey, we look at discernment as being more of that of God, just tell me what to do because I don't want to mess up. And we feel anxious because we don't know God and we don't yet appreciate the depths of his love and grace. And we haven't learned that lifestyle that you use and talk about in this book that's so helpful about practicing a preference for God. And so I so appreciated that wording, and I want to get back to that and, and hear from you on that. But I also appreciated that in chapter one, you started out right about writing about God's love. And I think that's so important because we're not going to be able to practice a preference for God if we don't come to understand and experience him as loving. And I think that you did a great job here of giving us a vision of God's love. I'd love to just share some articulations you wrote from chapter one on on page 15, you said, God's love is vast as an ocean, abundant, lavish, generous. It's eternal and unconditional, grace-filled, joy-drenched, magnificent, glorious, marvelous, wonderful, amazing, inconceivable, yet affectionate, warm, intimate, and heartfelt. This is awesome. There's such good wordings and descriptions here. I would love for you, Steve, just to share a little bit. How have you come to experience God's love this way and to receive it? Christy, thank you for picking up on that because that is a foundational uh, truth that I really want to uh, lean into fully. Uh, I came to that realization slowly over time. Um, but really it was through the ministry of spiritual direction and my own choice as a recovering workaholic, and a perfectionist, a person who likes to get a lot of things done and I will push my way through to make them happen. That's my old me or my false me. And over time, God has just been peeling away uh, one layer at a time of that drivenness to get to the place where I can truly receive the grace and the kindness and the mercy of God that I preach about and I teach about and I want to tell everybody, I want to tell the whole world about, but have I fully absorbed it for myself? There were, it was probably 20, 25 years ago uh, when that first realization that I'm preaching and teaching something that I'm not sure I fully have 
actualized in my own life. Here I was, you know, an adult, <laughs> um, a Christian, um, but the driven side of me, I think, was really holding me back from receiving the fullness of the love and the grace and the tender, tender mercy of God. And so I, I, I get all uh, weepy and sort of uh, when I think about how I was and and what I was long, longing for and in many respects unable to really put words to until I was in that, you know, that quiet place with a person that I could speak honestly and forthrightly and and lovingly receive just kind words back to me. And I really do think the Protestant work ethic has really harmed the the understanding of the love of God because we still think we have to earn it or deserve it or do better or work harder. Um, and that's hard to, that's hard to, that's hard to break. I mean, uh, and I'm also writing for an audience that I, I you know, I, I really want leaders to pay attention to their need for the softer side of God and the softer side of this religious experience and really the softer side of leadership because everything's so harsh and hard and edgy and demanding and our world is promoting leadership that kind of sickens me, frankly, right now. And it's like, where's where are we going to learn how to receive love and give love foundationally? I really think important. Yeah, yeah we share your heart for that very much and appreciate your articulation of that and your dedicating your life work to that. You in the book share one discipline that you did that I think helped you to be able to agree with and receive God's love. It was the spiritual discipline of winking. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was on a retreat <clears throat> and I was meeting with a spiritual director. It was not my spiritual director. It was another another brother in this monastic community that I've entrusted a lot of my heart to. It's uh, the Society of St. John the Evangelist in Cambridge, Massachusetts. These Episcopal monks that do an amazing job of of spiritual and soul hospitality. And I was on a retreat and I was being led by one of the brothers and I was coming in with, I forget the storyline, um, but it was some sort of berating of self. And he said to me, you know, go back to your room and I want you just to wink at yourself in the mirror. I'm like, wink at myself in the mirror. I, he said, yeah, not, not because I, it's something weird I want you to do or something that I want you to sort of like think so highly of yourself. I want you to do it as an expression of how God is looking at you. He is winking at you. He has such an affection for you. And it may sound super odd, but that spirit, that practice of winking at myself, no one, no one sees it. No one, no one but me, because it's in the bathroom, you know, it's the mirror and it's, but I'm winking to remind myself that there's a God in the un of the universe that actually has his eyes peeled on me, has such an affection mm -hmm. for me. He can't get enough of me. He's like, uh, I like, I like considering, considering him on the porch of heaven. And he's like staring at me like he's staring at the two of you. And all he wants is for us to kind of pay attention to that, to acknowledge that, and then to see his wink and to acknowledge his wink, that he is actually there 
gotcha, I love you, and I'm watching you, and when you come to your senses and you turn back home, I'm there to throw my arms around you, put a robe on your back, a ring on your finger, new sandals for your dirty feet, and throw a party in your behalf. Over and over and over and over and over again. That's that's incredible, don't you think? I mean, that's just... Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, especially, <laughs> you know, coming from you, Steve, in your story as a workaholic in recovery, a, a go-getter, um, you know, a charger, uh, and for you to see the, the tender heart of the Lord and uh, that, that wink, uh, that, that gets our attention. And uh, we so resonate with you on the just the, the soft side of, of the Lord and that he develops in us and that the, the best leaders for Jesus are, are those that have that, that sensitivity, that uh, soft heart, not only to God, but to people and to be empathetic, uh, all of our, all of our leaderships, all of our decisions, and certainly our, our discernment goes best when we're, we're empathetic, we're, we're in relationships that, that are, are mutual and, and vulnerable and that's where God does his best work. Exactly. And and if we can help each other pay attention, you know, it's like, how can I help you today notice God? What mm -hmm. better question could we in the church be asking of each other than that? I've I've come to the conclusion that there isn't anything more important. You know, how can I how can I help you get closer to God today? It's really a question of spiritual direction, isn't it? You know, how, how are you noticing God in, in your life? And that's, exactly that prayerful uh, attunement to what God is doing, and uh, so it's really helpful that you're putting this uh, discernment uh, need that we all have for life, the, the the importance of having God's wisdom, but putting it in this context of our our relationship, our practicing of God's presence, and preferring uh, the the Lord to anything else in life, including our, including our ministry, including what we can do for God. But that that flows best when what we're doing we're doing with God. That's right. Yeah, and that that phrase, practicing a preference for God, which is nuanced around that practicing the presence of God, mm -hmm. which is the more well known phrase. Mm -hmm. But one of my spiritual heroes, Reuben Job, um, who compiled all these guides to prayer, guides to prayer for all God's, all God's people and servants, ministers and other servants. And he did four of them in his lifetime uh, with his friend, uh, Norm Sachuk. Even, even doing the last one while Norm had Parkinson's or dementia and didn't even know his wife or his own name, never mind his friend. And Reuben Job included that friend of his because of spiritual friendship and that fourth guide to prayer. And he would always define spiritual discernment as very simply, it's practicing a preference for God. So I got to know him in his latter years and his dear wife, and they gave me permission when he passed away to resurrect the, all of his material. And so, and Zondervan was willing to put a 50 page appendix in the back, which is Rubin's, some of Rubin's finest quotes on spiritual discernment that I have gleaned over the years from him and have so appreciated. So I do have to attribute to him that phrase, practicing a preference for God. But it's been a it's been a life changer for me. That phrase in and of itself has been a dramatic life changer. 
I wanted the book to be titled that, but I lost that argument with the editor. <laughs> yeah, we know how that goes. <laughs> well, I, I think it would have been a great title because that really is the theme of the book. And it's such great and helpful wording. And you mentioned one of the ways that you do that is through spiritual direction that it helps you. You at your ministry and, and Bill and I at Soul Shepherding train spiritual directors, certify spiritual directors, because we believe this is so helpful in our life with God and helping us to notice him and appreciate him and have a preference for him. I love the way the book that you said, the primary seedbed for a discerning heart is caring for the soul. Exactly. And and that's what your whole ministry is about and ours at, at Soul Shepherding. And we're so blessed to get to do this work. But what are some ways that you are daily in your life practicing a preference for God that are a part of your your rhythm that are helpful for you and caring for your soul and responding yeah, to God? Great question. And thank you for your faithfulness to the two of you for training spiritual directors and uh, focusing on the shepherding of the soul. It's so important. Uh, what you guys do is awesome. Um, but in terms of my daily routines, uh, getting to a place of stillness is my number one goal. Um, it was Henry Nouwen who talked about creating space for God. And I've become convinced that that is the number one spiritual discipline. Create space. It's unhindered, mm -hmm. uncluttered, unhurried space so it's like sabbath uh, miniature sabbath you know a mini yeah. a mini sabbath every day and so finding a way to uh, quiet myself into a reflective space so that i can receive whatever it is that god wants to give to me and then it's lexio divina you know in terms of opening the word and being in the word um praying obviously but more listening prayer than than speaking prayer i talk about that in that in that chapter and then a reflective practice of some sort whether it's journaling or if um uh examine you know there are varieties of what or or just frankly looking through my photographs from the previous day and mm -hmm. um noticing you know just sort of posturing myself to notice god um i was on a walk prayer walk the other day and I took a picture of this amazing weed I know it's a weed but it's like a million white little flowers on this blossoming weed and I was just it just arrested me and I just stopped took a picture of it well looking at that and just holding that can be such a great space for me to just say thank you Lord for your amazing creativity and for that beauty and I, I I'm trying to pay attention to beauty and creativity, you know, those those two gifts that again for a recovering workaholic, we don't we don't pay attention to beauty and and creativity. But I'm trying to exercise that other side of me and get to a more creative life-giving space so that so that in my days I can be more available to the people around me. It's such a delightful illustration, Steve, of the discerning life, noticing the, the, the weed has flowers. And uh, it just it really is encouraging that if we can lean into this way of life, this practicing a preference for God, as you're calling it, that it, our ability to sort of 
hear God's voice or sense his guidance or, or his leading when, when we need it in, in family and in leadership and in so many different things. We all have these times where, oh, Lord, I, I need to hear from you. Uh, but that, that conversational relationship in, in the moment of crisis or need comes out of noticing the weed that's right. a flower. Right. <laughs> being that kind of a person, living that kind of a life, having those kind of spaces. And, and then being able to say to you, Bill, look what I saw today. Look at this amazing mm -hmm. thing. And you can share with me what you saw today. And our, our relationship is based on noticing God. So yeah. that when you and I are at a business meeting or a, minister, you know, a nonprofit board and we sh show up for our meeting, we don't sort of put on a different hat of, you know, like being a power monger. We're, we're there to point God out to each other and lead together out of a space that is much more delightful, frankly then i'm um, because i i my passion is leadership you know i really believe that as the leader goes so goes the organization and more importantly as the soul of the leader goes so goes the leader so let's dig into the soul of the leader and the leadership and have it be about noticing god i was just like it doesn't it's not rocket science but nobody is doing this mm -hmm. so many churches and ministries they're walking in the door and they're trying to do their leadership thing and make decisions and bark orders and you know ugh, it's not it's not appealing to me anymore and i'm i'm like the old guy in the room now so i get the i guess i can say some of these things that let's just let's just let's not do that instead let's pray and let's share life story and let's listening listen to each other and pray for each other and then let's lead. Let's lead out of that space. And in order to get to that place, Steve, you've identified and you write in the book that the life of discernment isn't just about what we accumulate or I might even add accomplish, but instead of what we let go of. And that so reminded me of what Jesus says in John 12, 24. He says, I tell you the truth, unless the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This, this relates to discernment like you're talking about, of this life of preference for God, which in order to prefer God, we've got to release some of those disordered attachments. And we all That's have That's particularly them. a challenge for me. I want to hear what you're going to say, Steve, because <laughs> I, I, as a fellow workaholic in recovery, I think uh, letting go of things is the biggest challenge for me. I'm just wanting to add, add more, right? And we can't live that way and we can't lead that way. We can't, and really all good spiritual formation is learning how to let go. I forget who said that, but it's a great quote. It's learning how to let go. It's learning how to die to self. It's learning how to live open-handedly. And that's hard to do because we're graspers. We're not open-handers. We like to grasp. We like to pull toward ourselves. And, you know, the Think of the most humble person you know. Who's the most humble person you know? They're not grasping. They're, they're, they're releasing. They're in your presence and they're willing to be content with whatever comes their way. And they're not going to take anything from you ever. They're going to always give. So I think this, this attachment-detachment, you know, which is the mm -hmm. historical sort of view of the spiritual practice, 
is, you know, we, we need to learn to let go. Uh, I was with a group of leaders a couple months ago. I will leave the, the group unnamed, but I almost got kicked out in the afternoon because I asked them to die to their preconceived ideas. Let them go. Can you let them go? Can you hold them loose? Even in this hot button issue, and this was a hot button issue, and they were so convinced that they were right. They were mm. unwilling. They were fighting me, the, the theory, the, the you know, of letting go. I said to them, you know, if I were to sit here and give three by five cards to every person around the circle and you write out your preconceived idea of what the best decision is, would you be willing to rip it up and put it in this bowl and let it just sit there all ripped up? Even for five minutes, you know, it's not like you have to you know, become an apostate, you know, because of this exercise, just hold it looser. And then maybe you'll listen to someone who has a different opinion. But Bill and Christy, I'm convinced that we don't want to do that. Leaders don't want to do that because we're, you know, we're paid to be answer people to be right. Yeah. Um, and as a result, we become brittle, kind of hard to hang around with so i think we i think the dying to self the letting go that's a huge huge topic so good yeah we, we often talk about it using the uh, dallas willard's phrase of abandoning outcomes to yeah. god yes. and it's it's a great key to to life to leadership to all of our relationships and i really appreciate how you're connecting that that attitude also with the practice of setting boundaries and letting go of stuff that's on my plate because it's the Lord hasn't asked me to do it, or maybe he's asked somebody else to do it and I can delegate it or I can refer. And so just managing our, our schedules, our lifestyle, so that we're leaving that space to, to notice the flowers, to enjoy the moments and to be in, in relationship. And which is one of the, the great themes that you're talking about here that we really appreciate is that our, relationship with God is so connected to our relationships with people. And uh, so, so good. So uh, friends, the, the book, you'll want to get a copy of this, The Discerning Life, an invitation to notice God in everything, brand new book by Steve Machia. And it's going to really encourage you uh, in your relationship with God, all your relationships and in your leadership. Thank you so much, Steve, for being a guest with us uh, on Soul Talks. Uh, we're just really uh thankful for you and for leadership transformations and your work. And we know how much work it is to, to write a book. We're currently writing a book ourselves, another one. And, <laughs> and like, wow, it's like, uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's, it's an honor, but there's a lot. Of, it's, it's giving birth. So it's a labor of love and you are doing it out of love. And I thank you on behalf of every reader of your next book uh, for laboring together because you love God and you love his people and you want to help them and you're doing great work, the two of you. I so love and appreciate both of you and grateful for your kindness to include me in your, in your soul conversations. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's been a real honor to have this time with you, Steve. Would you be willing to say a prayer for our listeners as we finish our soul talk today? Father, we, we just desire to be um, aware of you 
and alert to your presence and your power. So I pray for every listener today that they would, um, yeah, just pause and notice. Slow down long enough to take a few extra breaths and look around them at the beauty of your creation, at the beauty of the people that are in their life, the beauty of your word, the beauty of the gift of prayer, of time to be alone and still before you. Help us all, oh Lord, help us all to practice a preference for you, which means uh, we'll have to let go of the very things that we think are so important that define us. And um, yeah, just give us a willingness to, uh, to, to die to ourself in order to live fully and freely in you. Thank you for Bill and Christy and for their amazing ministry. And I just pray for uh, their awareness of you, even today, that you would make yourself known in uh, life-transforming ways. And we will give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. Loving Father, gracious Savior, empowering Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, thanks for tuning in and being a part of this Soul Talks, a ministry of soul shepherding. We look forward to the next time we can be in conversation with you. Have a great day. Hi, friends. I'm so excited to tell you that we've created a new way for you to be in community with Christy and me and others from Soul Shepherding. It's called the Soul Shepherding Network, and it includes webinars, soul care groups, hundreds of resources, and connecting with other soul shepherds small group leaders, spiritual directors, coaches, pastors, missionaries, and soul friends. This is the place for all our friends to gather and encourage one another. All you need to do is go to soulshepherding.org slash join the network. And the best part is you'll be joining the inner circle of soul shepherding for community and networking. So check us out at soulshepherding.org, join the network, or just go to the show notes for this episode and follow the link there. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.